0: Welcome to Pocket Full of Grace, a weekly podcast of Grace Lutheran Church here in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Scott and I'm here with Pastor Carolyn Hetrick for the 6th Sunday of Easter, May twenty second, 2022. In the season of resurrections, we're invited to see new life in the resurrected life of Jesus, in the church centered in Christ and in the life into which God will bring us all to dwell in eternity. And the question in this time, in our world and lives, perhaps is, what does it mean to practice resurrection life? Pastor Hedrick, let's begin to answer that question and ground our time with <laughs> the prayer of the day for this coming Sunday.
1: Friends, pray with me, but I'm not sure this prayer is going to answer all that. <laughs> Bountiful God, you gather your people into your realm, and you promise us food from your tree of life. Nourish us with your word, that empowered by your spirit, we may love one another and the world you have made. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and drains with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, I did hear some guidance and some hope in that prayer. Ultimately, the answer is love one another and love the world. And the the problem, of course, is how do we do a better job at that? We only have to look in the newspaper or the the evening news to know that we struggle with that issue. But the answer to that, I think, is at the beginning of the prayer that we need God's nourishing food of grace, uh, whether you're thinking of it in terms of uh, the Eucharist or the Word, meaning the, the, the Scriptures, the fellowship of the Church, all of those things combined together to begin a transformative process on us that in the end is designed to help us simply to love one another.
1: So I'm feeling a little sassy today, and I'm going to say that I agree with everything that you just said, completely and totally. I think the challenge for all of us, myself included, is that we can fall into this pattern of just wanting to feed ourselves, Mm -hmm. just wanting to get fed Mm -hmm, ourselves. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have to connect the dots. We have to connect the dots. We're going to hear today about a story of baptism, among other things. We have to connect the dots. It isn't new life if we celebrate that, whether it's being fed at the table, whether it's being baptized, or whatever it may be, and then say, you know what, I'm good, and I'm just going to go home. That's right. And love is both a beautiful thing, and it's also a challenging thing.
0: Right.
1: And we're going to hear in Revelation about the healing of nations, not just for some, I mean, for all nations. There's so much in our world that when we ponder this question of love, love always feels like new life when it's love that's not just rooted in only ourselves. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'll just say one more thing, which is we as creatures of habit will always find the experience of that love to feel new because by our very nature, we so often, all of us, can settle in other places.
0: Yeah. As you're speaking here, and and again, I think everything we've both said is consistent uh, and, and in agreement. I have in my mind the Little theater that goes on in an airplane when they're getting ready to take off, and they talk about the the masks if the oxygen supply is compromised, and they always say put your mask on first and then help the others around you, and and to me that's what worship is. That's where we get our mask, our oxygen. But as you rightly say, it cannot and should not end there. That's when we're helping others uh, to to have those. Uh, metaphorical masks as well. That's what it means to love one another. It's, again, not a box of candy and a valentine. It's actually uh, a hands-on ministry to people in trouble.
1: And I think to be willing to hear in worship, to be willing to hear about the challenges that others are facing, rather than saying, well, I just came in here for some sanctuary and and I don't really want someone to disturb my Jesus moment by telling me about the world. Mm -hmm. It's a Mm both-and. You know, worship Mm -hmm. is always going to be celebratory, and it's also going to be um, the Spirit's going to work on us. And that's what we're going to hear, I think, in the reading from Acts, which I think is a nice way for us to segue into what's the Spirit up to working on Paul in the book of Acts. right?
0: Yeah, our first reading this week is Acts 16, verses 9 through 15. During the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia, pleading with him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Here it's our first reading.
1: I love this story, uh, not just because I've actually been to where these events took place when I traveled back in 2011, which feels like a lifetime ago. Really? <laughs> um, and when you when you're there, uh, where it's believed, you know that that Paul and the others show up. There's a mosaic uh, to Paul and to Lydia in town, and then there's separately there's a a place called a baptistry. It's a where people would have been baptized. It's a church down along the river, so to speak, hmm. um, and and you can imagine um, long before they they made that all fancy what it would have been like to be gathered there. The thing that I think about when I hear this reading and I imagine it, um, first of all, is you know how rare it is that I hear anyone talk about having a vision
0: these right. days, right? right?
1: But I'm going to set that aside for a second because I realize that people could say, you know, lots of people claim to hear the, the voice of, of God. Um, but come, come and help us. And Paul goes and it's not a short journey. They set sail and they go, you know, here we went to Troas, we went to Samothrace, we went to Neapolis and they went to Philippi. And then they had to get to Thyatira, which is not along the coast. And so they had to travel even farther And it took them days to go somewhere that they felt called to go. But that's not obvious at the beginning of the story that, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, our mission is to go to Thyatira. So what was it that kept them going on this journey from Paul's vision to they get to the Sabbath and they look for a place where they think people are going to pray and they sit down and they talk to women who are gathered along the river because, of course, women wouldn't be in the worship space. And they're talking to someone that we don't know much about, her. And this story ends with her inviting people that she only met, I don't know, an hour ago, uh, come and stay because you, you need a place to stay because they, they clearly don't have a place to stay. There's so much getting outside of oneself in this story it's just Mm -hmm. the work of the spirit it can't be anything else
0: well and that's the important part of this lesson for me just as it was last week with our reading from acts the spirit works in baffling ways sometimes but usually does so in a way that there is some consensus as to what's going on here. So what begins as Paul's vision becomes plural. We, Luke, Paul, Silas, Timothy, start to share this vision as they discern it together. And across the world, Lydia is being worked on by the Spirit as well. It's very dangerous, in my opinion, to ever think that you alone have heard something from the Holy Spirit and are going to act on it no matter what others say. But I think that's oftentimes where the seed is planted. And then, as is the case with our calls, for example, to ordain ministry, that internal call is tested and ultimately validated externally as well. That's the safeguard uh, that differentiates the Spirit's work from a, a human idea. And I find enormous assurance and comfort in this reading that even when the Spirit is giving us what seems to be a very half-formed vision, without all the details that I would normally like, there is an ability to trust and to step out in faith uh, that uh, the Spirit's working in all sorts of different ways here, with Lydia uh, and, and in unnamed places and unnamed people. Um, it's not all on us, and I think that's very comforting as as church leaders.
1: Well, I'd like to take it, you know, maybe even just beyond uh, us as leaders, because the end of the day, I mean, I'm just a flawed human trying to, you know, make my way in the world. Um, but I think about um, the number of times when I've most clearly seen the work of the Spirit just moving around in, you know, all of our everyday lives. And so often it is when people felt that something had been placed upon their heart and they decided to listen because it sounded to them like the God who loves people. Mm -hmm. And I think about people who have taken in strangers. I think about people who have done all kinds of things, large and small. And, you know, even I remember um, when I used to work uh, during seminary, I worked at Water Street Rescue Mission, uh, which is a a shelter for homeless folk. And uh, people who were there, I mean, they were homeless. They don't have really anything other than what their trash bag or their backpack will allow them to bring. And people were gathered. I was doing a women's Bible study, and there was a woman talking about how she saw in the dead of winter, she saw someone who came to her and wanted to know if she had any money. Mm. And she had 28 cents in her pocket back when we still carried coins. And she said it suddenly felt like it was burning a hole in her pocket. Right. And she said, while living at a homeless shelter, she says, you know, look at how much I have. I have a place to stay. I am being fed. I'm inside tonight. I don't know what he needed money for, but God told me, you have 28 cents, and you don't need it, and this man does. And to me, that's about as spirit-led of a moment as there could be uh, it's almost like saying, you know, come and stay with me. <laughs> you yeah. don't have anywhere to be. I don't really know you, but come and stay with me. And and she felt God's presence upon her to give even 28 cents. Because, you know, who knows what else he might have that might add up to a cup of coffee somewhere. For whatever reason, he wasn't going to be able to come into the homeless shelter, but she was going to help him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the text leads us to... A transformative moment for Lydia. She's baptized. But make no mistake, Paul and his traveling companions were transformed by this encounter as well. And so I want to encourage you using a few words from verse 14 to pray, Lord, open my heart to listen. Because we read that Lord opened Lydia's heart to listen, but, but Paul's had to be open as well. So whether you're being asked uh, to help somebody or to be the (laughs) helpy, There's going to be mutual transformation. Just pray, Lord, open my heart to listen. And then wait and see.
1: When you hear what you think is the voice of God telling you to do something, even if it's something you've never done before, that's going to show love and not hate, my prayer is that, as all of us ask God to do, is that, you know, By your Spirit, help us to love one another. Help us to love one another. Well, we probably ought to move into the psalm um, because I'm looking at our time and we're almost 15 minutes in. And as usual, my spouse often tells me that we get bogged down in the first reading and then we
0: But those first readings are really
1: good. That's right. At least it's not the Old Testament this (laughs) week, honey. All right, this is Psalm 67. And on Sunday, we're going to have six verses of that. But I kept the seventh in so that we can... uh, Have all of them, because it's just one more verse, and figure why not. May God be merciful to us and bless us. May the light of God's face shine upon us.
0: Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations.
1: Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you.
0: Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide all the nations on earth.
1: Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you.
0: The earth has brought forth its increase. God, our own God, has blessed us.
1: May God give us blessing, and may all the ends of the earth stand in awe. You know, uh, one of the things I was raised with to some degree uh, in the church was to believe that we are blessed to be a blessing. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons that uh, verse 6, which I think is not going to be in Sunday's bulletin, why I wanted to keep that in, yet we're recognizing that what we are able to enjoy in this life, mm-hmm. God, our own God, has blessed us. And by remembering our blessings, may we then not just say, well, I hope that the rest of the earth gets to stand it on and be blessed, but I think that there is an unspoken word in there that is about us doing what we can to make sure that all of the ends of the earth can stand in awe.
0: Yeah, my guess is that verse 2 of the psalm is the reason it's being paired with our reading from Acts, let your way be known upon earth. And we quite literally see Paul and his companions taking God's word, God's way to more far-flung places and finding that God has prepared remarkable leaders like Lydia to take up that baton and uh, take things to the next direction. And I think um, it, it certainly implies that uh, God is active, but also that we're called to be co-creators and partners with God in that work, uh, to not just rest on our laurels or our blessings, uh, but to share them quite actively.
1: Well, I think the second part of that verse uh, is also why um, it is in this week's lectionary you're saving health among all nations which we're going to hear taken up uh, a little bit from now in the reading from Revelation where we hear about the tree of life and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations you know it's not what I think people are anticipating um, sometimes sometimes uh, Historically, I think uh, we, uh, as humans, can fall into again thinking that because we are blessed, um, that somehow that makes us extra special. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people of Israel certainly wrestled with that. You know, mm-hmm. God ultimately had to say, "Yes, you are chosen people, but you're not my only chosen." Right. You know, um, but this is, of course, one of the praise psalms, um, and uh, at the same time, is a psalm that starts out by asking God to be merciful which means that we know that sometimes maybe life doesn't feel as blessed, and we're hoping that God's mercy will be what we most experience.
0: Some of the commentaries I looked at in preparation for this suggested that the words of Psalm 67 may have either been before or afterwards uh, liturgy in worship. And it does sound like a very comfortable piece of liturgy, seeking God's mercy, seeking God's blessing. But again, as you've emphasized, so that those blessings can be shared with all. You know. I've got a vision of our old professor right now. How much of all is all? There you go.
1: <laughs> Actually, the vision that I have right now is that one time I led chapel in my first congregation. It was an older group that would gather for chapel. And I handed out those clappy hands. You know, the ones that when you mm-hmm. welcome, they do that. And, um. Every time there was a a repetitious phrase in the psalm, which I think in that case it might have been hallelujah. Hmm. But I'm thinking, you know, let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. We could get the clappy hands going. If I can find enough for Sunday worship, can we do that?
0: I think we're running out of time. We better move on to our Revelation. That's a. am not sure the Holy Spirit just spoke here.
1: Um, she'll take that up with you
0: later. No, we'll talk. Uh, revelation 21 is where we're going to be having our second reading as we continue uh, sampling parts of Revelation, which I think you've had this experience too, Pastor. People uh, tend to uh, back away from it thinking it's this scary gloom and doom book. And We're spotlighting some beautiful passages of God's comfort, (laughs) mercy, and assurance in this. So, uh, from Revelation 21. And in the Spirit, one of the angels carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or Moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood. But only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the angel showed me the river of the Water of Life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there anymore, but the throne of God. And of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, (laughs) for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Here ends our second reading.
1: The really poetic language that we see here, um, talking about the city of God, and there are a couple of things that I think about, um, that are some words that I think are, are really just sort of helpful imagery, uh, a number of times talks about the difference between, uh, walking by light and not having enough light to walk. Mm-hmm. And especially before electricity, right? Um, it made a really big deal in your life if it was, uh, if there wasn't enough light to see where you were going or to see who was there or to see if you were safe. And at the same time, uh, walking by light is a way of talking about, you know, that, that sense of blessedness, right? Um, it is, uh, being able to see things that are shining and bright not the same thing as as imagining that this is about white. It's about light. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that one of the other things I notice is uh, when we see this verse twenty seven, nothing unclean will enter it, and no one who practices abomination or falsehood. It can be tempting to see that verse and think that that is exclusionary language, and it's not intended to say sorry. You're not going to be good enough. Mm-hmm. What I take from that is more about the fact that gates are what cities use to be safe. And if you no longer need to have a gate closed, it means that everyone is at peace and everyone is safe. And so no one, unclean or who practices abomination or falsehood, is more about conveying a message of peace and security and not a message of picking and choosing.
0: And perhaps a message of grace as well. I can imagine in my mind's eye Jesus standing at that gate, or or actually kneeling down, washing everyone's feet, so That's that right. as they walk in, they are, they are cleansed.
1: And remember that Jesus has said that he is the gate.
0: Yeah.
1: And so if Jesus is the gate, it means that you are never cut off right. from Jesus, which takes me to that whole understanding then about a lot of times— there's inside-outside kinds of language that we see in Scripture, and Revelation is very clearly conveying that we're not going to use that inside-outside. Uh, you're in the gate, you're not in the gate. Uh, you're going to stand in the light, you're going to be out here and, you know, not light. Um, and, and nothing accursed will be found there anymore because the Lamb is there. It's new creation, quite literally, Mm -hmm. because we're talking about the tree of life, which we hear about in Genesis, right? The the tree of of knowledge is now the tree of life. And I think, you know, we hear about the tree in the beginning as as somehow that knowledge was the thing, and now it's the tree of life. And even though it makes me laugh to imagine the 12 kinds of fruit like it's the fruit of the month club, which I know Mm -hmm. is not what's being said there, it's 12 is a number of completeness, That there will never be a time where the tree will not be bearing fruit. There will never be a time where people are in want and where everything about this tree is for healing, not just of a few people, but of the nations, which is a way of talking about all the people.
0: it's, It's tantalizing. It says on either side of the river is the tree of life. And one commentary I read suggested that there are two trees. One is that restored tree from Genesis, the tree of, uh, of knowledge that now uh, the paradise has sort of been restored here. And the other tree, the cross, which mm-hmm. is, again, another beautiful source of, of healing. But, but, you know, the other thing that struck me in this reading is that uh, near the beginning, I saw no temple in the city because now we've got God, we've got mm-hmm. Christ. They don't need a temple anymore. And I've always been one who has gained great comfort from passing churches. I I love to see churches. I I love the architecture. I love the history. I love what they do and the faith and all of those types of things. I drive around particularly unfamiliar towns and I see churches. It, It warms my heart. But this reminds me that the presence of those church buildings is also an indication that the fullness of God's victory has not yet been fully realized. When the churches ultimately go away, it's because our King has returned. What the Orthodox call the uncreated light of God spreads everywhere. And so I'm I'm going to take up the challenge of this text and try to change my thinking when I see a church now, uh, not as uh, an, an, an end-all or um, the, the final word, but Something that reminds me that our work is far from done as Christians. And we want to get to a place where our Lord returns mm-hmm. and uh, the churches just remind us that we're not quite there yet. Yeah. Time to love our neighbor.
1: I think also that it's important to recognize um, that we don't need to wait for Christ to return to be about the work of healing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's so much so much that is happening in our world. And unfortunately, sometimes words and actions that are not healing are being done supposedly in the name of a God who says, I am a God of love. And when we are in situations where we hear those words and we see those things, our job is not to put our head down and be silent and say, thank God it's not me. Our job is to proclaim healing and peace and the possibility of newness and to open up the things that seem closed because it is not enough to just wait for Jesus to show up and make everything better. Our siblings need us to show up now. Well, how about if we move into the gospel? This week it will be uh, the gospel of John, Uh, chapter 14, verses 23 to 29. And before I read this, friends, I should mention that this Sunday we'll have a guest preacher, uh, Pastor Nathan Pyle from Camp Sequinota will be with us uh, to preach uh, at our worship services. And he's told us he's going to be using the passage uh, from Acts. So uh, we look forward to his proclamation. We'll hear now the gospel. Jesus answered Judas, not Iscariot. Those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. Here ends the Gospel.
0: It's easy and and kind of fun to speculate what it would be like to be alive during the time of Jesus. How much more would we know? How much more faithful might we be? And in the face of that, Jesus continues to say, then and now, no, no, no. you've got the Holy Spirit. You, what I was able to accomplish in three years of ministry, in teaching and leading, is nothing compared to what the Holy Spirit has been unleashing since I ascended to heaven. Uh, so we can't allow ourselves to fall into that that trap of thinking that uh, the disciples had it all together, because clearly they didn't. And uh, Jesus is assuring them and us that his absence from corporeal form, from, from having a body uh, and being on earth with us now, is not a handicap. He has set us up for success.
1: And, you know, there's a, there's a little thing I think that Jesus is doing here when he's talking about keep my word. Um, he's trying to encourage the disciples that it is one thing to know what the actual words are that Jesus has said, but but they're, the keeping of God's word mm-hmm. um, as we live out our lives, that's, that's the hard part, right? If it was just about memorizing yeah. something, it would be easy. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's why we receive the Holy Spirit because keeping God's Word. We need all the help we can get. Um, and we'll, we'll fall into doing the same thing that lots of people do. Well, I, you know, I hear that, but, but what do we do in this instance? Well, what do we do if this thing over here happens? Well, what do I do when I feel like this? And without the Holy Spirit, we would be troubled, right? Because we won't have any idea what to do, or we'll just shut down in fear, or we'll react in fear. Um, and Jesus is saying, you know, look, I'm giving you my peace. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Don't let your hearts be troubled. They can be, but, but don't stay there. Um, and he, he leaves this really gentle reminder at the end, specifically for those disciples. I'm telling you what is about to happen mm-hmm. now, because when it does, I want you to not feel abandoned. I want you right. to continue to believe. And that loving gesture is really something.
0: I want to pick up on this theme of keeping my word. We humans struggle to hold opposites in tension, and sometimes our our faith becomes a purely intellectual uh, exercise. You know, memorize these verses, or bow at this time, and and everything is well, and your church becomes a museum. In that case. On the other hand, though, if worship and some understanding of God's Word isn't part of the equation, then it's a free-for-all, and you're really not a church anymore. You're a social service agency, which isn't bad, but it's not a church. The key is to hold both of those in tension. One necessarily feeds the other when done properly. We we worship. We internalize God's word. In that regard, it becomes more than just an intellectual endeavor, but also more than just an emotional reaction as well. And that's the challenge of, of again holding those two things in tension.
1: It is um, as we, of course, continue to live in a world that uh, often gives us many things that trouble our hearts. Yeah, um, turning to God in prayer first is always the best thing to do. Uh, listening to what the Spirit guides us to do mm-hmm. is always an important thing to do. Um, but I just encourage everyone to remember that at the end of the day, if what you are being called into feels like God's love for others, where there's no inside and outside, you know, where it's new creation, where it's peace, where it's blessing... It's awfully hard to say that those are not good things to be about. And maybe if someone says to you, "Why did you do this thing for me? Maybe you can be bold like Paul and say, "I did it because my Lord tells me to love to love all people, and that's why I've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not jamming it down your throat. That is proclaiming good news. Wow, well, look forward to much more on Sunday. Uh, with Pastor Nathan Pyle. In the meantime, Pastor Schul, I bet you have a prayer for us today.
0: I do. Uh, it's a prayer in a book by somebody who paid the ultimate price in his life for loving others, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's a collection of letters and papers from prison, hence the name of the book, Letters and Papers from Prison. It's an evening prayer that was dear to him. He didn't write it, though. Mm-hmm. It was written by Gerhard uh, Terstegen, who was a German Protestant writer and hymnist who lived from 1697 to 1769, but I think it spoke uh, to Bonhoeffer in troubled times, and uh, will speak to us as well. It's an evening prayer, so let's pray. O Lord, my God, thank you for bringing this day to a close. Thank you for giving me rest in body and soul. Your hand has been over me and has guarded and preserved me. Forgive my lack of faith and any wrong that I have done today, and help me to forgive all who have wronged me. Let me sleep in peace under your protection and keep me from all the temptations of darkness. Into your hands I commend my loved ones and all who dwell in this house. I commend to you my body and soul. O God, your holy name be praised. Each day tells the other my life is but a journey to great and endless life. O sweetness of eternity, may my heart grow to love thee. My home is not in times of strife. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, friends, stay tuned for Sunday. But first, Wednesday. If you're listening to this and it is Wednesday, May the 18th, join us this evening for Spring Fest, 5.30 p.m. in our courtyard. We're going to have our Super Wednesday meal and music and fellowship together. Uh, We encourage you to come on out and join us. And then stay tuned for Sunday. We have worship at 8, 9, 10.30, and 6 p.m. in our sanctuary. You can also listen on WRSC at 10.30 in the morning, or you can watch our live stream, live or later. Just go to our website, glcpa.org, and click on the words, click here on the splash page. One note about our live stream, Facebook is uh, creating some difficulties for our live stream to be watched through our facebook page we'll be posting the link to the website in the event that the actual service does not pop up but if you are experiencing that difficulty you can always just go to our website glcpa.org and watch the worship service from there friends however we gather together it is a joy to be with you in person or in spirit take care